Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. World changes. I'm speaking about world changes and my sub-theme is the testimony of Paul. World changes the testimony of Paul. It is important to consider how we can make a difference and touch our world for Christ. Longevity or age is not a guarantee of influence. The impact of our lives is not measured by how long we live or the length of our days. Methuselah lived for 969 years and yet his whole biography in Genesis chapter 5 can be summed up in four main achievements. He was born, he lived, he had children, and he died. That was all. A few verses and it was over. May that not be your testimony. Our Lord Jesus Christ lived for 33 years and changed the entire course of history. Jesus was a world changer. And 2,000 years after, he's celebrated all over the world as the greatest person who ever lived. May that be your story. Today, as we look at world changes, we want to focus on a man who totally changed the world he lived in. Want to learn some timeless lessons from the life of Apostle Paul as we seek to influence our society through Christ. Kindly turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 17, and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 6. Acts 17, verse 1 to verse 6. We're talking about world changes, the testimony of Paul. Acts chapter 17. Reading from verse 1, it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as was his custom was, went in to them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews were not, who were not persuaded Becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. May the Lord bless his word. 
Amen. Paul was traveling with Silas on his second missionary journey. This was a highly eventful three-year mission from Antioch through Asia Minor all the way through to some parts of Europe and then back across the Mediterranean. And in Acts chapter 16, they came to Macedonia and Philippi and after casting demons out from a young lady who was a fortune teller and also had a spirit of divination, the people got angry and they were beaten and thrown into jail. But even in adverse circumstances in jail, they continued to lift up praise and and bless the name of the Lord and experienced a miraculous release. Now, the sequence of events that followed led to them being described as the people who had turned the whole world upside down. What does it mean to turn the whole world upside down? It is to influence the course of history in a definite, meaningful, and far-reaching way. To turn the world upside down is to influence the course of history in a definite, meaningful, and far-reaching way. Influence is the capacity or power of a person to be a compelling force or to produce an effect on the actions, the behavior, and the opinions of others. The ability or the capacity of a person to be a compelling force and to produce a certain effect on the actions, the behavior, and the opinions of others. If you are going to influence our generation, there must be something forceful, something compelling in our lives. And that thing must affect the thinking, the behavior, and the actions of other people. That means that there can be no influence without touching the lives of others. Hallelujah. Influence is about impact. It's about imprint. It's about dominion. It's about prominence. It's about significance. It's about force. It's about clout. It's about access. It's about command. It's about weight. It's about supremacy. A person of influence cannot be subdued. A person of influence cannot be kept in a corner. A person of influence cannot be kept quiet. A person of influence cannot be discouraged. They have weight, they have prominence, they have significance, and they are a compelling force. Hallelujah. Paul was a world changer. In the scripture we just read in Acts 17, four interesting characteristics came out that made Paul a world changer. They were literally a summary of the rest of his life. And if you and I want to impact and influence generations, all four of these characteristics must be relevant and operational in our lives. I would like us to look at Paul as captured in Acts 17 and ask ourselves what four keys did we see about Paul as a world changer? The first one we saw was sanctification. Sanctification. 
Sanctification is simply separation to a cause. Separation or dedication to a particular cause. To sanctify is to set apart, to separate for holy use, to consecrate, to declare holy, free from sin, to purify. And so when we say Paul was sanctified, we are saying he was wholly dedicated exclusively to a special assignment. Now, in in regular daily usage, the word sanctification can, the closest I can think about is that special or expensive cookware, cutlery, crockery, something special, or some people have even special furniture in their homes that they use for very special occasions or exclusive occasions only. And even when nothing is happening and they're not using them, they clean and polish, clean and polish, and store or reserve them until they are required. And when they're going to be used, it is brought out carefully, it is cleaned and set up appropriately, and after it is used, it is put back in the storage place. The message that is being sent out is that this is for exclusive use. And for those kinds of utensils or those kinds of furniture or whatever it is that you have prepared in that way, you don't allow anyone to sit on it anyhow and, as it were, dishonor or mishandle them. That is the natural picture I get about sanctification. That our lives have been committed to God for his exclusive guidance and exclusive use and we polish and prepare ourselves continually for every single assignment and every single direction God has for us and don't allow anything anyhow to dishonor or to mishandle our bodies. Sanctification. Four things I would like to see about sanctification. The first one is that it's a divine command. It is not optional. It's not something that you say, well, it's not bad, I will consider it. It is not optional for you to say, I will participate or I will not participate. I will think about it and see whether I will do it. Sanctification is not a suggestion. It is a divine command. Let's all say divine command. It is the will of God that we consecrate ourselves and separate ourselves from a life of sin. If God will use us to influence our communities and society, we must separate ourselves from sin. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, from verse 3 to verse 5, Paul clearly speaks to the issue of sanctification. From verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God hallelujah because we are named by the name of Christ it is not everything other people do that we can do Because we carry the name of Christ, the choices we make, the life that we live, everything that we do must be governed by what God approves of 
and what God permits. And the verse here is saying, this is the will, the express will of God, even our sanctification. Hallelujah. If you will be a world changer, you must sanctify your vessel, sanctify your body, possess your body, keep it, protect it, preserve it, distinguish it, respect it, and watch over it. Hallelujah. Respect your body as the temple of the Lord. Respect your body as a preserved special vessel for God's exclusive use and exclusive direction. World changes kill their appetite for ungodliness. Every act of ungodliness is driven by appetite. It is desire that drives action. But when you sanctify your body and sanctify yourself to God, the appetite is killed. Some people talking, they're like, how can you live without this? And you say, I have no appetite for that. Why? Because you have sanctified yourself to God. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to live sanctified lives. And you want to determine that you will cleanse your vessel and dedicate your life to God and allow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to help you in this journey. Hallelujah. The second thing I will say about sanctification is that it starts with a divine encounter. It starts with a divine encounter. Paul was a world changer, but his life did not begin in Christ. This was a man whose beginnings were not Christ-like at all. He had a history of persecuting, imprisoning, and killing Christians. And it was in levels. He started by consenting to the killing of Stephen. The Bible says while they were stoning Stephen, he was watching over the clothes. That was a bit passive. He, he was watching. He didn't participate, but he was approving of the action. Then in Acts chapter 8, he moved to the second level. At, at that point, Bible says in verse 3 of Acts chapter 8 that as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. That was level 2 of his persecution. Level 3 is in the next chapter, Acts chapter 9 from verse 1 to 3. Bible says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder. That was the level he had reached. Now he was breathing it. Threats and murder. Breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked for letters so that he can extend his jurisdiction to Damascus and go and not just enter the houses but enter the synagogues and drag people out and bind them men and women and send them to Jerusalem but in verse 3 as he journeyed and came near to Damascus suddenly tell somebody suddenly tell the next person suddenly suddenly a light shone from heaven all around him and that was the turning point in his life it doesn't matter how your life begins It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made in your past. 
It doesn't matter how much shame you are still carrying from the pain of your past. Came to encourage somebody. You look at your past and you want to move forward with Christ. But you look at your past and you feel, I wish I had not done the things I did. Somebody is looking at your life and you say, I'm still carrying the scars of my mistakes. Somebody says, if you knew what I did, as I stand here, I have a beautiful child, but I'm a single parent and I've not seen the father since the child was born. And you are still carrying the scars and you are saying how I wish I hadn't made those mistakes. I came to encourage somebody. The pain of your past must not hijack the promise of your future. The shame of your past must not hijack the glory that God has set ahead of you. Paul was a man with many mistakes. A man with several things he should be ashamed of. But when the light shone from heaven... His life was never the same again. And that was the man who was referred to as having turned the whole world upside down. No matter the shame and the pain of your past, if you can allow the light of God to shine in your life, you would influence your world, you will change your world, and you will reflect the glory of Christ. Hallelujah. No matter the past, a divine encounter will turn it all around. And today, somebody's life will open a new chapter. The past is gone. The pain is gone. The shame is gone. Move forward into the glory that lies ahead of you. Receive the glory that Christ alone, in Christ alone, in Christ alone, that glory is yours. Hallelujah. The third dimension of sanctification is that it reveals your divine assignment. When you sanctify yourself to God, your assignment, the reason for your presence here on earth is revealed. Many of us are walking around asking questions about why exactly did God put me here? What can I do to influence my society? Sanctification reveals your divine assignment. In the book of Acts, Chapter 13 and verses 1 to 3, we see the role of the Holy Spirit in assigning Paul or setting him apart for his first missionary journey. Reading from verse 1, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manain, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. When you are sent on an assignment by God, you will prosper in it. Hallelujah. When you do what God has placed you here to do, that which you touch shall be blessed. Bible says that five leaders had gathered and were fasting and praying, ostensibly waiting upon the Lord for direction and instruction. And the Holy Spirit specifically said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the specific divine assignment that I have for them. 
Paul was separated onto an assignment. There is an assignment that has your name on it. When we talk about influence, every one of us will influence the world in a different way. The question is, what is your domain of influence? Until you find it, you can admire somebody else, you can wish you were like them, you can even try to imitate them, but you can never be a world changer until you find that specific thing God called you to do. The Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for a specific assignment I have sent them for. Paul's responsibility or assignment was to take the gospel to the Gentiles and every single part of the then known world. He was supposed to break the barriers and introduce Christ to the pagans. May the Holy Spirit reveal your own assignment to you. May God speak expressly to you and open the pages of your life and direct you about the domain, the domain where you have been placed and what you should do to influence your world. When you find it, you can make a true difference and may God open your eyes to your assignment. When you appreciate your assignment, you lift the bar of excellence. When you know what you are supposed to do, you are separated from the crowd. The Bible says there were a number of them, but the Spirit said separate these two. There is an element of separation when you discover your own unique assignment. Everybody may be doing something, but you will be separated to something else. And when you begin to move in that space, you will prosper in the work. It also means setting new standards beyond what everyone else is doing. Everyone may settle for a certain point, but you raise the bar beyond that point. You refuse to be mediocre. You refuse to compromise. You refuse to be ordinary. You cannot be ordinary. Hallelujah. The fourth dimension of sanctification is that it sets you up for divine intervention. We've learned that God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. We've learned that certain dimensions of God's blessings is not just a result of what you do, but it's a result of what you attract from God supernaturally. Certain dimensions of God's grace upon your life will be inexplicable because you will not deserve it. You cannot explain it. You cannot take the credit. It will be the working of the Lord. And the trigger that attracts that kind of influence, that kind of divine supply is sanctification. In the book of Joshua, Israel had gone round for 40 years waiting to enter a promise. And in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Bible says God came to Israel and told them that last thing that will prepare them for the promised land. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Bible says, Joshua said to the people, let's say it together, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. One more time. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. God wants to do wonders. I said God wants to do wonders. Wonders in your business 
wonders in your education, wonders in your relationship, wonders in your ministry, wonders in your health, wonders in your entire life. But when you sanctify yourself, you open up your heart to him and you allow him to guide you, he can command those supernatural interventions your way. As you separate yourself to honor God in this year of influence, prepare to see the mighty hand of God at work in every single area of your life. God will do wonders in your life and in your family. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. The second dimension of world changes, as we see in the life of Paul, was progress. Let's all say progress. Paul was a man who kept moving forward. A person of influence is not dormant, is not static, is not stationary. In Acts 17, the verse 1 that we read, it is said of Paul and Silas that having passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. It was, it was people on the move. Three years of working and moving from one place to another. The assignment was given to them, but there was application and commitment. Hallelujah. Paul did not change his world from the comfort of his living room. God gives the word, but the movement depends on us. God can give you a word for your life, but you have to move. God will give you a word for your ministry, but you have to get up and move. God will give you a word for your business, but you have to get up and move. Paul traveled over land and sea, traveled by day and by night. Why? Because progress is essential. What is progress? Progress is forward or continuous movement towards a desired destination. You know where you want to reach. You know your ultimate. And every single day, you make progress. Every single day, you add one block. Every single day, you add one layer. And everything you add brings you closer and closer to that destination that you desire. You want to become a better person, ultimately more and more like Christ. But every day you add one block. Every day you add one layer. And the more you add, the more complete, the more advanced, the more improved you become as a person. Progress is natural and progress is scriptural. In today's technological world, when you see a phone and they say this is version 5.0, naturally it means that it's an improvement on the features and the capabilities of version 4. Sometimes they have 5C. Even the 5, there are levels. So progress is natural. We walk forward. We don't walk backwards. We are created to make progress. It's a natural phenomenon. Similarly, progress is scriptural because when you look at the lives of every person we admire in the scriptures, Abraham, we look at Joseph, we look at Daniel, we look at Jesus Christ, we look at Paul, every one of them made progress. Hallelujah. What are the pillars on which we progress? There are three dimensions of progress I would like to share. And first and the most important is conviction. 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 Can I ask a question? What will it take 
to discourage you from pursuing what God has called you to do? What would it take to discourage you from walking with Christ? What will it take to attract you to turn your back on God? Is there any price? Is there any temptation? Is there any pressure? True progress starts when you are convicted or sold out on a certain definite goal, objective, purpose, or destination that you have set ahead of you. It is only then that you can make progress because everything you will try to do in life, you will face obstacles. It is only when you know where you are going and are committed and convicted that this is the place that you can continuously make progress. Paul knew his race. He knew he was different from James and different from Peter. And he also knew the crown that was set ahead of him. And so he refused to be attracted by any alternative and any compromise. Even if he told him he will die, he will still move because he knew. Tell somebody conviction. Romans 8, 38 and 39, Paul made a significant statement. Romans 8, 38 and 39. He says, for I am persuaded, convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, 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 absolutely nothing. Make a commitment that nothing will separate you nothing no problem can separate you no no discouragement can move you away from christ nothing anyone will say to laugh at you nothing anyone will say to discourage you can make you turn your back on christ neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor anything that has been created nothing tell somebody nothing Tell the next person, nothing. Amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. When you talk like that, it's not something you read from somewhere. You know. When you say, my God, it means you know. It's not something you've read. You know. How many know my God in this place? How many have a testimony that God has walked this journey with you and has helped you? Come on, tell somebody nothing. Amen. Tell the person Nothing. Tell the person, I am convicted. I am convinced. I am persuaded. I'm walking this journey till the end. Hallelujah. Celebrate the Lord. You know, when you know your race, you also know the finishing line. If you are running 400 meters, you know you are going one round. When you, when you get to 300, you know 100 meters more to go. Now, when you start powering towards the finish, a person going for 800 meters cannot 
start powering through because they have one more round to go. Everyone must understand their race and understand the calling upon your life and understand the assignment God has given to you. It is only then that when you do something, you know, I have made significant progress in my assignment. It is the understanding that will guide the measurement. It is the understanding of the distance you are covering that would help you measure the impact of every single achievement. If I know I'm going to Kumasi and I see Nkoko and Konongo, I can tell which percentage of the distance I've covered. But if I'm going to Wagadugu, the impact of my reaching Nkoko will not be the same as if I'm going to Kumasi. How far are you going? Where are you going in your work with God? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul made a very significant statement in verse 7 and verse 8. He knew the race and he knew the crown. And he could tell that he had done the most important thing God sent him to the earth to do. He said, I have fought the, the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day and not to me only but to all who love his appearing. What represents the good fight for you? Will you know if you have cut and accomplished a significant chunk of your assignment? May we have a conviction about how far we are walking in this journey with the Lord. May we have an understanding of what God is doing with our lives so that we can commit to it and stay the course till the end. Progress means consistency. Consistency. People who are progressive do habitually what ordinary people do periodically. World changes do habitually and consistently what ordinary people do periodically. If you will live your dream and affect your world, appreciate that influence is grounded in habit and routine. Bible says that when Paul got to Thessalonica, as was his custom, as was his practice, as was his habit, as was his routine. Jesus was a man of routine. A great while before day, as was his routine. What is your routine? If you broke down your time and allocated segments to what you do every day, how do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? How do you spend your treasure? What do you invest your life in? Your time and your money are very good indicators of what is important to you in life. If you ever doubted the most important things in your life, Look at your schedule and your budget. Suddenly, we are realizing that then maybe some things are not that important after all. 
what you spend your time on and what you spend your money on reflect the critical and important things in your life. That which you value, you will spend time on. That which you value, you will spend money on. Cultivate prayer habits, Bible study habits, personal development habits, financial habits, and relational habits that will ensure your consistent progress. Hallelujah. It will not happen by one occasional incident. It will not happen by one occasional move. It must be consistent. Something in your routine, something in your habit, something you do consistently will bring you closer and closer to becoming a world changer and a person of influence. The third dimension of progress is commitment. Commitment. Commitment in this sense is simply about hard work and application. Hard work and application. There is no point identifying your area and not applying yourself to it. There is no point discovering what God has called you to do and not putting in the effort required to excel in that field. Sometimes the awareness that we have supernatural help makes us assume that hard work is not required, that we don't need to put in the effort, but it is the effort that we put in combined with the grace of God that brings success. If you substitute management with faith, your business will collapse. There must be a beautiful combination of right hand and left. A beautiful combination of hard work and grace. If the grace abounds and is not supported with hard work, you will not achieve your goals. Paul was a man who applied himself, held on to what God had given him, and worked on it until he saw the results. Even when he got to Thessalonica, the Bible says there was a synagogue of the Jews there and they did not believe the things he believed at all. But the Bible says for three Sabbaths, He spent time reasoning, explaining, and demonstrating. He didn't say, I've tried once. Nobody minded me. Listen, let me leave them alone. Hey, it's not my fault. They are not interested. He stuck to the task, explained, reasoned, demonstrated continuously until Bible says they responded. That is hard work. That is application. And that is commitment. How committed are you to the things that you value and you speak about? Influence requires a sense of commitment. Let's all say commitment. 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 The third pillar of Paul as a world changer is transformation. Transformation simply means producing significant results. When we are convicted, separated onto a course, and we make progress consistently, with diligence and commitment along the road, we will see results. Influence brings results. Your sanctification and your separation and your conviction to your divine assignment will lead to transformation. In verse 4 of Acts 17, Bible says, and some were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul 
and Silas. Three weeks before that, no one knew about Christ and him crucified. But three weeks of consistent application got the results and brought about the transformation. Friends, for everything that God has called us to do, if we apply ourselves, we will see the results. At the end of Paul's ministry, he had written literally half of the New Testament and it was evident that he had made a significant contribution to the gospel more than every other person in his time. Paul is the one who became the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul is also the one who laid the framework for many of the doctrines we work with as Christians today. And he literally changed the world as it was in his time. May you change your world. May you transform your society. May you influence your world with what God has placed in your hands. It may look small. It may look insignificant. But if you apply yourself and you work it out and you are consistent, the world will respond to the gift God has placed in your hands. May your gift transform this world. May your gift speak to generations yet unborn. May your assignment make the world a better place. Hallelujah. The final thing that we see was resistance. That's the part we don't like. And rightly so. Nobody likes resistance. None of us in our prayer topics or our personal prayer time Praise that God should raise people to resist us as we make progress. It doesn't even feature. In spite of his success, Paul encountered resistance. And he had to overcome diverse opposition. In verse 5 of our story in Acts chapter 17, Bible says, but the Jews were not persuaded. The Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men. If the Bible is yours, underline evil men. Everything God calls you to do, there will be evil men available to fight it. No matter how good the cause, if you want to help the poorest of the poor, still there will be evil men from the marketplace who will emerge. Bible says some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a crowd set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring out the people. Anytime you set yourself on an assignment, expect resistance. If you want to be a world changer, expect to be discouraged, to be misunderstood, to be misrepresented, to be misquoted, to be accused, to be resisted, and to be isolated. There will be times you will find yourself alone. Nobody believes you. Nobody's around you. Every great person you read about in the scriptures came to a point where they were alone. You are no different. If you are pursuing that which God has placed on your heart and you find that at a certain point in your life you are alone and to add to that you are misunderstood and you are misrepresented and you are being misquoted, let not your heart be troubled. Our fathers and our mothers in the scriptures went through the same thing. Oh, you will be misunderstood. You will be misunderstood and you will be misrepresented, but stay the course. 
I said, stay the course. Stay focused and press on. Paul said, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing, this one thing, this one thing, this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth to the things that are before, I press, I press, I press, I press, I press, I press towards the goal of the higher calling of God in Christ. May somebody press. May somebody push. May somebody stay the course. Tell somebody, I refuse. I refuse to be discouraged. I refuse to be resisted. I am moving forward. Hallelujah. What was the extent of the resistance Paul faced? He summarized it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 22 to verse 28. Paul was giving his CV and he got to the place where he thought about his troubles. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 22 to 28 he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak of as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, that is canes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In debts, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That is 39 lashes. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. Amazing amazing. That thing that is on your heart, if you are hungry, let it still be there. If you are going through toil, let it still be there. If you are going through discouragement, let it still be there. If you are going through a stage of being misunderstood, let it still be there. If you are going through a place of lack where the resources are not abundant, let that dream still be there. At least you haven't seen shipwreck yet. Paul says, three times I experienced that. How much resistance have you faced? One or two people have laughed, laughed at you and now you are discouraged. Stay the course. Hallelujah. May God grant you the grace and the strength and the ability to overcome every resistance. It was because of this resistance and because of this persistence that the people described Paul and Silas and said, the men who turned the whole world upside down have come here too. If they gave up before that, they wouldn't have been described as the men 
who turn the world upside down. May you persist. May you remain strong in the face of opposition, in the face of difficulty. A season may come where things may look uncertain, but there is light ahead of you and there is grace ahead of you. Stay the course and do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap your reward if you faint not. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I came to announce to somebody, your season is coming. Your reward is coming. The reward of your faithfulness is coming. The blessing that you have desired and waited for is coming. May you overcome every resistance and finish your race. May you receive the crown that God has laid up for you. May you influence your generation with the power of God. Declare that you will not live and die like Methuselah. The only four achievements being that you lived or you were born, you lived, you had children, and you died. Declare that you will leave your footprints in the sands of time. Declare that your life will make an impact. Declare that your life will influence your generation. And as you lift up your voice to God, ask God to help you to separate yourself onto your assignment. Ask God to help you to make progress along the way. Ask God to help you to transform and influence society. And above all, ask God for grace to resist every work of the enemy and every evil man from the marketplace sent against your assignment. You will finish your assignment. You will finish the race and you will receive the crown of glory and generations yet unborn will mention your name as a testimony of blessing and as a testimony of grace and as a testimony of goodness the Lord we serve is faithful and he alone is worthy of our praise hallelujah you and I are called to be world changers you and I are called to be world changers and we will change our world to the glory of God in Jesus' name Amen Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 nine. Zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more searching. The light has come.